Hansel, did your mom ever give you any dating advice? Somewhat. She said, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang out with the girls who do. Wait, but it's 2021. Shouldn't you add, like, smoking weed to that list now, too, or something like that? You mean, like, the grass? Yeah, the California kush. Well, I suppose, you know, in our context, it's, it's legal now, and there's a lot more availability. Wait, what are you saying? I'm saying we should talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, good call. Guys, welcome to Kingdom Thinking. Today, we're going to tackle this big green monster of a question, which is how should Christians view the legalization and the use, recreational use of marijuana? Yeah, that's right. And, and so when we talk about weed, uh, it's important to understand two things here. Uh, I'll give my bias up front. I don't think there's really a need for it in most circles, right? Like it's not something that I endorse in my life personally. Uh, but w there's a few things I want to at least frame for the discussion. Like we're not arguing for like the free abuse of the drug, mm -hmm. of the drug itself. <clears throat> like everything in your Christian walk, nothing should ever be at the center of your life except for Christ. And this can apply, you know, uh, to anything that's out of balance, yeah, like, like McDonald's, too much McDonald's, too much Netflix, too much weed, like all of these things in terms of uh, the abuse of them are problematic. Right. Yeah. And so we're not talking about that. We, we already know that's bad. We already know we should avoid those things vehemently. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, the idea of when we're talking about the pro position or some of the pro arguments for this, it's not just going to be only should a individual who's you know of a certain age enjoy this in a vacuum it's a much larger conversation that the pro argument tends to look at so we'll look at both sides of that discussion and then we'll give kind of some thoughts on, on both pastorally and just as people uh, as we move forward from here yeah this is a really fascinating issue because think about 50 years ago right maybe in the 60s and the 70s i think it would be pretty consistent pretty through and through that the evangelical position would very be in staunch opposition mm -hmm. to any sort of substance consumption or it, anything like the yeah. grass, right? Or yeah. the weed. <clears throat> so really interesting how in the last few years, the legalization in the states, in a lot of states of of marijuana, and then the tension with the federal government, yep. still viewing it as a controlled substance, has created a kind of cultural dissonance or or... Uh, tension there of how to view it and that always trickles down into the conversations that Christians have in, in churches right in small groups and so it behooves us uh, as Christians and also I think for pastors and ministry leaders to mm -hmm. be able to navigate some of these issues yeah so to be to be clear we're handling question 1a and 1b 1a being how should cr specific individuals view partaking or consumption mm -hmm. is it ethical or not to the recreational use mm -hmm. that's we're talking about now question 1b would be what about the legalization as a whole yeah How, what should the christian stance be what side effects or benefits perhaps economics etc would come from that sure all right sure. so let's jump in all right so we're going to examine some of the pro arguments right that we've seen from this now uh and again i think it's important that we start here with the understanding that if there is going to be any pro argument made for it 
for me, I think it's best to start the idea of saying that it ought to be illegal until one is 25 there, okay. or it shouldn't be used until one is 25. You said 25? Yeah. So I, I say okay. that term specifically, or that number specifically, because the studies of science have shown that it can have negative impacts on developing brains, right? And okay. so we know that your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that is responsible for making good decisions, Correct. right? Judgment. Uh, yeah. Judgment-based decisions is not fully formed until roughly about 25 years old. And okay. so that to me is an important starter here because we have something that's clear and concise in terms of an evidentiary model showing that it's problematic anytime before then. And so uh, I think when we kind of frame it in that kind of contextualization and understanding, it's a little bit of an easier way to kind of begin moving the dialogue mm. forward. Okay. And so, uh, and then when we begin to examine even like the medical benefits of marijuana for people who have like chronic pain disorders, uh, I think the assessment here is kind of obvious. Uh, Christians are called to have compassion uh, on people in a plant that is regulated well and not abused by a patient. You know, if somebody's going through some type of terminal cancer or has some type of autoimmune disease, you know, for which they have, you know, a lot of pain, like a fibromyalgia kind mm. of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, and the SSIDs that, you know, have tough side effects that maybe that come with, you know, fibromyalgia, like depression and anxiety and stuff like that, mm. that have worse side effects than the actual things themselves. Mm. Uh, weed can be a real answer to that kind of conversation. Uh, and so there's value in at least having the discussion about its legitimacy as a legitimate pharmaceutical option or mm. alternative to like opiates or painkillers or, you know, other SSID inhibitors and things yeah. like that. Uh, from a biblical perspective, specifically on this one, right, Christian morality shows us that followers are to take an active role in caring for the sick. And in Jesus's conversation in Matthew 25, one of the criteria that he talks about for entrance into the kingdom of heaven is like, what kind of compassion did you have on people who were sick? And so if there is something like weed that can fit into the conversation of like, bringing legitimate pain relief and healing, then maybe that can fit into that con, you know, that part of the di uh, that dialogue. There. Interesting. What do you think? So does that stand over and against recreational use for you? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think when we, when, if somebody's making a pro argument for the side, I think it's probably two parallel conversations that are happening at the same time, right? Because, uh, I know anxiety is a, you know, a disorder that is becoming far too common in the mm -hmm. United States, right? With people who are in the millennial range, like what kind of where we sit. And so the idea here would be like, how are we defining specifically medicinal versus recreational? Mm. Because people who use it recreationally might say like, well, I'm still using it for medicinal purposes, mm. right? So I have good friends who I know who use weed, who I would say probably abuse weed actually, but they would say that, well, I'm using it to go to sleep or I'm using it to help calm my nerves, right? It's like, instead of drinking a beer after yeah. work or having a glass of red wine, right? It's like, I smoke a blunt and it actually helps me relax and feel better. Yeah, there. that's so, interesting. So there's a lot of... Well, it's subjective by nature, right? In in terms of discerning sure. both intention and the self-awareness of yeah. that process. Um, do you think that the legalization or the way that people get access to it and the, the way that it would work in economic system in in its implementation in society, how would it be able to filter through those things? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Uh, kind of the economic conversation is pretty important because I think it speaks to the larger discussion in general. Um, the idea of abuse of something because it becomes legalized is certainly a thing that has to be watched, you yeah. know, watched for and, and watched closely. Uh, but we see Paul even encouraging Timothy, right, yeah. about the idea of using a potentially abusable substance yeah, that's to help, an interesting quote, verse, right? you know, the pain in his stomach. And so uh, we'll, and we'll come back to this later in the conversation. I think your point about like 
discerning the heart motive behind mm-hmm. things is incredibly uh, important to this conversation yeah. there. But specifically uh, on the recreational side, my argument doesn't, uh, or my thought process, I guess, doesn't really stem so much from the notion of like unwinding after work, right? For the sake of unwinding after work. I, I don't, okay. I think that's a little bit narrow or short-sighted in the bigger discussion about what the historicity of marijuana has been in this country. Uh, and more mm. than that, I think the bigger conversation that we ought to at least be aware of as Christians when we're going to consider the totality of the picture. Because if we're not careful, we can end up actually contributing to and making problematic more instances of, of this moving forward. Uh, and so here's here's what I mean by that, right? We understand that uh, there's kind of been this big realization uh, in America recently that the drug war uh, has been used to target minority communities and pretty unsuccessfully at that in terms of like stopping crime or making stuff, you know, dip, uh, less bad in urban areas or whatever. Uh, and I mean, much to the effect of like Oregon in this last year's election cycle went forward and started just saying, all right, we're just going to decriminalize drugs yeah. in general. Wholesale. That, yeah. Like full, <laughs> like full hog on something like that, which is a whole nother conversation, <laughs> yeah. right? For a, for a different kind of day. Uh, but we understand that, you know, even the, from the first part of the 1900s or the early part of the 20th century, weed was a controlled substance that people could buy over the counter, right? Yeah. And when it was made illegal in 1930-ish, right, it, it was kind of described as like this south of the border thing, like a jazz cigarette mm. like that was going to make things worse for the world. And right. it was quite literally uh, brought up by Mexican people to like wreak havoc on culture to corrupt the youth yes and to make america uh awful and and blah 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 and so the in the illegality of weed is rooted in this idea of like racism cynicism towards the other xenophobia like real genuine systemic injustice and i think that's an important part to consider because if we're going to make something illegal or legal, we have to understand the history behind the conversation because what are we supporting inadvertently, you know, in that whole topic and in that whole conversation. And so we see, uh, again, because justice is one of the main hmm. jobs of a follower of Jesus, okay. right? Our job is to be just people. Now, it doesn't mean if you vote or think we should be illegal, it doesn't mean you're like an unjust person. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying, right? But the picture of justice is one that is focused on understanding the holistic context, right? Like the totality of a situation. And those roles that those things play, right, in terms of the racial uh, historicity of all that, make a difficult conversation, or at least make the conversation more cloudy, right, yeah. when we're having this discussion, somebody who's arguing for weed would say. Um, there's an author here, his name is John H- uh, Hudak, uh, in his book, Marijuana, A Short Story. Uh, he does a great job of kind of exploring the explicitly racist roots of cannabis policy in the United States. Uh, he highlights, you know, how politicians across the political spectrum uh, use marijuana as a means of trying to keep America divided, right, intentionally, from the way they classified it as a uh, Schedule One drug or Tier One drug, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, so he, he writes specifically, they painted the drug as a scourge from the south of the border to a jazz drug to the corruptive intoxicant of choice for beatniks and hippies. Marijuana as a drug and the laws sought to control it played on some of America's worst tendencies around race, race ethnicity, civil disobedience, and otherness. And I think... That otherness is what's particularly important to me uh, because as followers of Christ, the idea here is like we're supposed to embrace the other. Now, does this mean that we have to legalize marijuana to do that? I don't know. I don't necessarily think those two things are, you know, coordinated Mm -hmm. hand in hand. 
but I think it certainly something that we should be having a little bit more of a 30,000 foot conversation or 30,000 foot view conversation about than yeah, just yeah, simply yeah. getting stuck in like, well, if I toke something in my garage, am I going to go to hell? Right. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more nuanced yeah. than that. That is, in, that is nuts to me. It is so counterintuitive because uh, I've never actually heard a, a proposition for the case to be made for a consideration for the legalization of mm-hmm. weed from an actual grand perspective where say, hey, you could actually be doing more good in terms of reconciliation yeah. um, or uh, changing the oppressiveness or the abuse that's been happening towards people or changing the tide of right. that, right? right? You could actually contribute to reversing that yeah. through through the legalization of this. Yeah, and, and the legalization factor, I mean, it does things like get people out of prison, mm. right? It helps empty things, right, it so reconciles that's the families together. Yeah, and, and so they're very pragmatic. Okay intentional effects that are had on communities of color who have been adversely affected by this when we know that the rates of usage between whites and non-whites is relatively similar but non-whites are more it's like four to one difference in terms of more likely to get arrested for having possession right and so it's like there's a clear systemic injustice that's kind of rooted at the heart of this conversation and i think it's at least important to recognize because as christians who live in a expressly non-Christian society, what's the best way that we can react to this kind of conversation while saying it's like, if people who are going to use it, they're going to use it anyway. So if you legalize something, you can tax it, you can generate more revenue, you can help entrepreneurial type, you know, endeavors ensue for communities of color, for people who've been adversely affected. You can take real intentional and actionable steps as a non-Christian government to help people flourish and get into places of life where their physical needs are met. And then you can walk alongside people in life and then begin to meet spiritual needs. Now, the caveat to that is people will just say, Hey man, you're just trying to like Jesus it up so you can go get high. And (laughs) to be fair, sprinkles, put sprinkles on. on And to like, to be totally fair, that's a good, you know, that's a real critique because people will abuse that. Right. And so we have to be, very careful Correct. about kind of understanding Correct. that it that certainly cuts both ways. Absolutely fascinating to me. Um, now, here's here's where I think some of the more immediate limitations that come to my mind mm-hmm. arise. On the one hand, it seems insufficient or inadequate to view something like the legalization or the de- rather the decriminalization mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. To prevent more harm being done and possibly some restoration of sure. like families, things like that. It's hard for me to view that at, on, on the one hand and on the other hand, ignore how the drug trafficking system in Mexico specifically yeah. over the last 30 years has led to incredible amounts of corruption, yeah. violence, no doubt. and devastation to communities where innocent bystanders, right? People who are just trying to farm or, or do whatever their yeah. livelihood is in their communities are absolutely getting devastated yeah. through the drug kingpin competitors yeah, who are no laying doubt. waste yeah. and taking domination of that. So I think that I'm hard-pressed to ignore that. To yeah. say, on the one hand, hey, look, we can have so many people flourish if we stop throwing them in jail mm-hmm. for lighting, you know, blazing it up. And on the other hand, I'm like, no, dude, but like people are getting their heads cut off yeah. over this unregulated, out-of-control, uh, violent cycle, right? Yeah, so... So the idea becomes, well, if we legalize it nationally, right, like on a federal right. level, what happens to the cartel's market, right? Exactly. I mean, does it does it go by the wayside there? I don't know. I mean, certainly cartels will always 
exist and they'll probably just shift from marijuana to cocaine or whatever is most profitable mm-hmm. right in, in kind of the next sector yeah uh and so you'll see people take it as far as like no we just need to legalize all drugs and just go again full hog on the situation <laughs> it's like that feels a little you know it feels a little much right yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. there but the idea is uh how do we compete with both of those because one group will there's always going to be an out group Correct. right no matter what you decide yeah there and so to whom does our responsibility belong the most as Americans, right? Should it yeah. be other Americans or should it be people in another country? Right. And I think that's part of the tension. Yeah, for that sure. Part of the tension is having an immediate perspective of who, well, who are the people that we're ministering to? Yeah. You're ministering right. to 18 through 25 year olds here, right? Mm-hmm. In SoCal. And on, on the other hand, I think the ethic needs to hold its water to be able to have um, consistency and a way of helping global flourishing as yeah. well. So yeah. there is tension there, admittedly. Now, so here's interesting. The, the second, I think, limitation that would come to me is how how would you do this ministerially, like pastorally, right? You're yep. like, hey, guys, it's legal. It's all good. Just make sure you don't pick up that blunt until you're 25. Right, right. And, and, and this, for me, is where I probably come down as my ultimate answer, right? And this is okay. why I don't think I can get behind the consumption of weed personally, right? Okay. And, and this is why I think we shouldn't take, like, an affirmative stance to just open usage of it because uh, – Particularly, there's there's kind of two things that come to mind with this. Uh, I lean very heavily on the writings of Paul for for my thinking here. So Paul talks about the idea of the weaker brother, right, in Romans 14. There, that if we do anything, we shouldn't do anything that causes our brother and sister to stumble. Okay. If so, I know for me, if people found out that as a pastor I smoked weed, it would decimate hmm. any credibility I had with a multiplicity of generations. Right? It might make some of my 15-year-old students think I'm way cooler, for sure, mm-hmm. but it'll wreck whatever credibility I have with their mom and dad, yeah. right? And so for me, it's important to keep that bigger picture in mind. Paul talks about a couple of things here, like because it's permiss- permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial, yeah. right? And so for me, the the ultimate question of this ministerially is like legality is actually pretty secondary mm. in its nature okay, good. compared to what I think Christ commands of me, which is like to be willing to give up yeah. all of my individual freedoms for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Things that I might be entitled to do. So yeah, legally, I am entitled to smoke weed, right? I'm a 30-year-old man. Like, it's legal here in California. I can go get a, you know, fake prescription from whatever bogus doctor, right, on Venice Beach. Yeah. And I can go get some weed. But I don't, I think that's one of the least effective ways to live out a Christian witness, right? Yeah. And, and that's why I don't. And, and so, the again, legality is secondarily, Good. Uh, secondarily imported into the conversation yeah. because of what I think Christ calls and commands of yeah good good so that's a fascinating curiosity then that we have here in this conversation yeah on the two sides you have on the one hand the possibility of a christian stance that would be okay or permissive Mm -hmm. in some ways of the decriminalization for the betterment of society and Mm -hmm. on the other hand saying yeah but the legality of it actually isn't even the point right and i think that's an important an important juxtaposition to make because Again, like we were saying earlier, it is largely heart-driven in the conversation, right? Like, I know people that smoke it that need it, right? That it's, like, genuinely keeping them alive and out of the hospital. And that's great. They don't abuse it. It is what it is for them. But for me, dude, could never and will never participate in that kind of world because it's, like, I don't want one thing I do to mess up any potential chance at having a witness or having a conversation that could help people say yes to Jesus, right? Because it's, like you know, that would get you written off from so many people Hmm. so quickly. It wouldn't be worth it. But 
as a pastor, nobody expects me to smoke weed, right? So when, like, if I'm hanging out with somebody, they're like, hey, you want to, like, hit my vape pen? It's like, no, I'm good. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense, right? (laughs) Like, it it makes sense because you are a pastor. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like, I don't need to try and break that. It's not a stereotype that's worth trying to break, right, right, in that kind of conversation or in that context. Yeah. Uh, And nobody's like, oh, dude, you're such a square. It's like... (laughs) Oh, okay. Now, right. how about now for the rest of us though? Sure. Right, the non-pastors, non-clergy, just the typical young adult or even perhaps late teens mm-hmm. asking the question, and I think it's a legitimate question: Is there a case that could be made for somebody to say, "I love Jesus and I love my church. I'm a Christian, but I just want to light it up once in a while." I read I read this interesting article earlier uh, by Kevin Van Hooser. He's a systematic theologian at Trinity seminary uh-huh. in Deerfear, Deerfield, Illinois. He made a very interesting and compelling point, I think, when he says that from the practical question for regular Christians, it seems better to view this less from the ethical perspective of is this right or is this wrong? Because surprise, surprise, the Bible does not reference uh, marijuana at all. Right. There's a couple references to gardens and grass, yeah. right? But I think that'd be a bit of a stretch. Sure. Exegetically. Sure. So given... The, the biblical scope of, of ethics there, he says it would be more beneficial to view it less from an absolute right or wrong perspective and more, is this wise or is this foolish? Yeah. And so he makes this case. He says, although the Bible is silent on the topic of marijuana, it is not silent on the topic of wisdom and intoxication. Mm-hmm. Having said that, he suggests that there's a few questions you can ask. On the one hand, there's the legality legality of it, which we largely already covered, yeah. right? And that tension of under the federal government, it's still a controlled substance. However, many states are making a distinction between medicinal and recreational mm-hmm. uses. So specifically on the topic of recreational use, not for medicinal, he asks, say you can do it, what would be the social costs? What would this lead to? Uh, what could be the possible side effects leading towards dependence, addiction, mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Medically, what would be some of the um, mental psychiatric side effects of this, particularly, like you said, for undeveloped brains? Yeah, in youth specifically. It's it's incredible how consistent that is um, and could lead to psychosis sometimes as well. So consider that. And then I think where he really hones in is the theological perspective. Yeah. And he's going to say two things. On the one hand, he's going to say the Bible speaks against being mastered or dominated by any one thing, right? So in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul is quoting this Corinthian slogan and says, hey, I can do many things, but not everything is going to build up or edify Mm -hmm. or strengthen. And then he kind of tweaks it a little bit and he says, well, I can do many things. Many things are permissible, but I will not be dominated or mastered by any of those things. And I, I think that's that's a significant theological consideration, uh, being that the idea here isn't simply sobriety is good. Right, 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 right. precisely. It, it's, it's not it's not simply it's not about abstinence the for abstinence sake. Exactly. <laughs> Rather it's something like sobriety for a view um in ethic or a theology of what it means to be a whole person. Yeah. That mind and body no longer belong to you right. if you are a believer. Yeah. As somebody who is reborn, who is made new, that the the indwelling of the spirit that unites you to Christ means I'm not my own. Yeah. And so rather than this 
uh, dichotomy of uh, separating what would it be like to take a hit, to be high, to, to be away, what would it be like to be alert? Yeah. And, and he cites that command in Mark where Jesus talks in Mark 13 to his disciples, like, be alert. The, the times that are coming, the, the, the urgency yeah, of yeah, the gospel, of the urgency of the mission of the church. Uh, Peter is going to talk in, in, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, be sober, be alert, be vigilant. And so the case that he's making through, through this is, hey, in, in contrast to something like a glass of wine, the intention of taking a hit is specifically to inhibit the senses. Yeah, yeah, for some and level so, of disassociation. Right, yeah. exactly. And so th I think that's really winsome and that's really compelling in, yeah. in terms of pastoral wisdom that uh, I think would be important for our viewers and for ourselves as we continue to talk about this topic that anything that would even be leisurely or recreational that leads to, I, I like the word you use, dissociation or somehow a forfeiting of myself in experience that's away from seems to be not only counterintuitive, but it, it seems to be rather uh, against the grain of, yeah. of what the call of believers is, to be alert, to be urgent, to, well, to heed the urgency of, of the mission. And this becomes kind of one of the pushbacks against evangelicalism as a whole. It is so hyper-individualized, mm. right, in the way that it approaches salvation, church, yep. relationships with God. And that's yep. good for a great many things, but in this, it's like you're still part of the Christian collective Correct. here. And it's like anything— Anything that we do that can potentially hamper, right, like the message of Christ getting out is something that we need to consider seriously mm. if it's worth doing. Yeah. There. And for me, 10 times out of 10, the answer will always be no, right? And I think it's mm. an ethic that's worth living by uh, because if largely, right, when people, and again, we're assuming best of faith for everybody in this conversation. It's yeah. like, if you just want to relax and yeah. that's what weed's for, dude, do some yoga. There. <laughs> Stretch. Go. I mean, there are plenty of healthy ways yeah. to relax that are not socially problematic for your faith, your Christian witness, and that are awesome still. Yeah. So, uh, right. so that's for me why I, I think it's hard for yeah, me to get behind. Yeah, I think so. I think that ultimately the underlying principle is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. In this particular case, being able to and part partaking seems that it, it, it comes at a very high cost. Yeah both socially, medically, mentally, and also, um, I think theologically, a cost to the mission and the urgency of the call of the believer to the collective whole. Which is supposed to be high, by the way. No pun intended, right? Yeah. Like the, the call of being a believer is a high cost. That's right. right? And it that's is, right. It, it, so, so I do think that's a significant distinction as we wrap up here with something like alcohol. Sure. Right? Where the point of alcohol as a substance that, and the conversation has been changing about that with Christian circles mm -hmm. more, right? About... Hey, in moderation, with responsibility, it's all good, right? No judgment. Um, right, but the point of alcohol isn't necessarily to get drunk all the time or mm -hmm. to inhibit your senses, right? It can be an accompaniment to food or yeah. something like that. It, it seems harder to make that distinction with weed, where the whole point is to be out of the senses if you did it correctly, Yeah. right? So I, I do think that's worth mentioning. Uh, but what do you guys think? Is that a fair treatment of the topic? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Um, how are these topics treated at your church? Leave us a comment. What did we miss? We'll see you guys next time on Kingdom Thinking.